Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, so here's the thing. Over the last week, yes, everyone's been going absolutely nuts because if you didn't see it, zombies happened on the main roster and everyone was like, oh my God, zombies, you've ruined wrestling, this is crazy. But I'll have you know, we've had zombies in WWE for quite some time. Because if you remember back at like Halloween Havoc in NXT and it was Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis, they're having some weird haunted house battle things, we had zombies there and they were just as dreadful. But never mind all that absolute bollocks, we've got some real wrestling that we need to talk about because we had grudge matches, we had big steel cage things, we also had Cameron Grimes just being an absolute lunatic as always because that's what we like on our NXT. It was a jam-packed show as always, so I'm just gonna get on with it. I'm Gareth here from What Culture Wrestling and these are the ups and downs for this week's NXT. Not messing around at all. Straight away, we had a grudge match at the very start of this week's show. It was Zoe Stark going up against Tony Storm. And spoiler alert, surprise, surprise, it was a good match up. And what I really liked about this match was the dynamic that Tony Storm brought into it because she was absolutely pissed. She'd lost a couple of matches. She'd not won a singles match since December 2020. You could tell she was not here to mess around. And that was very much highlighted in the way that she absolutely obliterated Zoe Stark by hip attacking her straight into some still steps. And also, I just want to take a moment just to celebrate the, the absolute brilliance that is Zoe Stark because everything she does is just technically absolutely fantastic. Like the drop kicks, the clotheslines, it's just on the money, it's on the mark. She is excellent at everything. And this was evident when she started to pick up the pace and throw like a flying clothesline out, a flying drop kick, flying everything. She did like a half and a half suplex. She reversed a Storm Zero into a roll-up. This woman pulls out moves you didn't even know existed. But Tony Storm was not beaten. She came back with a German suplex and then hit Zoe Stark with the Storm Zero. But wouldn't you know, she kicked out. So Tony Storm had to delve really deep into a big bag of tricks and she pulled out this weird flipping brain buster thing nobody seemed to know what it was called if you do know let me know in the comment section below because everyone was just like what was that it was great but we don't know what it is and she won the match with it so finally tony storm gets a singles win but then frankie Monet just walked out and she was like ha you got a big moment i want the spotlight give it to me oh and in a week's time we've got a world premiere which is pretty much a debut but it's just frankie Monet's version of it with a dog backstage we then had legado del fantasma 
talking about the fact that they should be the number one contenders for MSK's NXT Tag Team Championships, to which Tommaso Ciampa and Toothless Timmy, my boy, popped up and they were like, well, all right, you think that, but have you beaten us? No, don't think you have. Let's have a match. And then Toothless Timmy said some stuff in Spanish that apparently didn't make sense, but <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. It's a running thing on this show. I don't speak any other language just about other than English, I think. Is that English? Yes. We then cut to a little bit of footage from earlier on in the day where Cameron Grimes and Jake Atlas had an altercation over the fact that the Million Dollar Man apparently parks at the front of the CWC and not Cameron Grimes. He was annoyed by this, so they were like, oh, it's our fight. And I was like, well, all right, cool, whatever you want to do. And as always with these kind of show-long segmenty things, I'm going to put this all into a bracket together. It was the Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell Spa Day, which, on the surface, what could go wrong? A fair bit. Because Indy and Candice were having a bit of a pamper day. They were like, oh, we've done really well. We won these belts. Look at us. We're great. But then they just started slagging off Dexter Loomis and brought him back into things. And I was starting to dread it. I was like, no, let's not do this again. And then Dexter Loomis popped up. He was just there. He was giving the whole temple massage to Indy Hartwell, which was really creepy, really intense. And then they were calling him a freak and a loser, which... You, you couldn't argue at that moment, to be honest. But he looked really upset by all this and he walked off with his tail between his legs, his heart was broken, as mine was, because I thought we were going down a nice, serious, legitimate direction with this NXT Women's Tag Team Division Championship stuff. But we're not. We're still in love land with Loomis and it just got even worse later on in the night. Because it got revealed that Candice LeRae's card had been rejected. It had been denied because she'd had some expenses that were unpaid from three weeks ago. And wouldn't you know, these expenses were the flowers and the chocolates that were sent to Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. And then the penny dropped for Indy Hartwell. She was like, oh, have you sent them? That means Dexter Loomis still loves me. Look, as always, I don't mind any of the people involved. The people themselves seem to be very good at the jobs they're very good wrestlers but the story the soap opera thing it's just distracting us away from the really good wrestling street fight stuff that happened at the main event of a couple of weeks ago more of this more of that stuff less 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 love not less love less love angles Oh yeah, and if it wasn't clear, the whole Candice LeRae and the Hartwell stuff, all this little spa day stuff, it's all getting it down because I was just, I, d I don't hate love, I just hate this. I'm back into some more credibility now because we did have Finn Balor and Karrion Cross doing their prime target, which is obviously the running thing that NXT do whenever they've got a really big seismic clash, they do a prime target showcase video package thing, and this one, surprise, surprise, it gets an up. So Balor and Cross were watching back that match, they were like picking holes in it, saying, nah, I could have tapped him out there, I could have pinned him there, God, oh, if only I'd have done this at this moment. And it was really cool just seeing them dissect everything through their eyes. But then calling in a few favours from the blue brand, Smackdown. Triple H had obviously gotten the phone to Pat McAfee, Paul Heyman. He was like, yo guys, I need you to put over this big match we've got coming up. Which probably didn't need putting over in the first place because it's still a massive match. But they did. Pat McAfee was like, oh, this is really big. But I think Finn Balor's going to win because Finn Balor's my guy. He's the, he's the cat that likes to cream. I think. And then Paul Heyman was like, oh, I think Roman Reigns is actually quite interested in this match as well, but I'm the man who normally gives you spoilers, but even I can't call this because it's that close. And everyone, everyone at home was like, well, if Paul Heyman can't call it, this is something I gotta see. It really worked. I'm easily pleased by this kind of stuff and it just makes me want to see it next week. I'm a giddy boy. I can't wait. The aforementioned Cameron Grimes and Jake Atlas match was upon us and the match itself did what it said in the tin, really, but all the stuff that happened afterwards, it gives it a nice 
big up from me. But before we get there, Cameron Grimes walked down to the arena. He was like, cut the music. I don't want to hear any of this stuff. And he was like, I'm going to play a video now in the CWC because I was really embarrassed by what Ted DiBiase has done to me over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to embarrass him now. And yeah, the video package was pretty much all the moments in Ted DiBiase's career where he'd been, where he got his comeuppance, really. All the times that he'd been embarrassed and beaten. And Cameron Grimes was having a whale of a time. But it just inspired the CWC to cheer on DBSE, DBSE, DBSE. It was a lot louder. But the match itself was a very much back and forth affair. It was really entertaining seeing Jake Atlas just whoop Cameron Grimes' ass for quite some time. But then he hit him with his weird running Spanish fly thing, Cameron Grimes, and he was in the driver's seat. But then the million dollar man actually showed up in a driver's seat. He showed up in his limo. <laughs> See what he did there. And then he turned up in the CWC. He was laughing his head off. His music started playing money, 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 money. And he was distracted. Because that's just what happens to wrestlers in the world of wrestling. And then he got rolled up by Jake Atlas, Cameron Grimes was incensed. He couldn't believe it had happened. He ran to the back. He was like, Ted DiBiase, where are you, man? And like tapped on his limo. He was like, what's going on? And Ted DiBiase just laughed at him, looked him in the face and said, you're still not quite the million dollar man, are you? And he drove off. That was it. And this is all set up a thing next week where they're going to have a face off and just hopefully, hopefully we lead to a million dollar dynasty with Cameron Grimes being managed by Ted DiBiase. It's got to go there. If it doesn't go there, I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go and do an ups and downs for knitting because I'll just do it. I'll just do it out of being annoyed and upset and heartbroken. Really quick little video package thing then of Bronson Reed talking about his big steel cage match main event for the North American Championship talking about a really cool fact that was his first ever match was on the 18th of May in 2007 and then this match the biggest match of his career is also going to be on the May 18th of 2021. I had to remember what year it was where we are but that's a really cool thing and it took him an awful long time to get here to get to this moment so I think everybody around the world was all screaming, come on, Bronson. The pre-advertised Pete Dunne sit-down interview with Arash Makazi was next. And this was fine for what it was. It's going to get an up because I'm not going to be too critical of it because it wasn't necessarily bad. It just wasn't great. It didn't really teach us an awful lot more about Pete Dunne. Because he just talked about the fact that he's got pretty much every champion's number. He could beat anybody. He thinks he could still beat Gary and Cross, Walter. Blah, he could just batter everyone. And then he just said that his style's been influenced by the likes of Fit Finley, which is very much obvious. If you watch Fit Finley from the back of the day, you watch Pete Dunne now, you can kind of see the similarities. So we knew that. And then he just talks about not needing anybody's respect and he doesn't really set goals. He just takes opportunities. And it was all just a bit open-ended and it felt like it was designed just to get Pete Dunne on the show, to have, have him there and go, yeah, don't forget about this guy. He's still kind of in the main event scene, but he's, he's kind of not, as you'll find out later in the night. Now, a match that was advertised for last week but then got postponed because of illness then came upon us. It was Alexander Wolfe taking on Killian Dane. A sort of grudge match, but more of an old friends meet up again in the ring just to hash out some things that were getting a bit complicated. We'll get there. And you can feel the CWC was just a little bit tense as this time because Drake Maverick was like, I don't know if I trust you, Killian Dane. You're my friend, but things have got a bit weird recently. And Imperium were also there with Alexander Wolfe and it just all felt a bit like something bad's going to happen very soon. And wouldn't you know, that's what happened. And as the match started to pick up a little bit of steam, I think Marcel Bartel threw a steel chair into the ring and you were like, oh, what's going to happen now? Is Alexander Wolfe going to use the chair to smash Killian Dane in the face? And he was a little bit reluctant. But eventually he got the chair and he ran at him like a madman 
and then got like flying cross-bodied, cross-body, he got the cross-body to the chest, he smashed it on the floor, he got the pin. I don't know what happened there, but it was just a thing and Killian Dane won the match. But clearly Imperium were not happy with how things unfolded, they were not happy with the conviction or lack of from Alexander Wolf. So they let him stand at the front and they normally do the weird little salutey thing, jumped him, Imperium bombed him, and then they did the weird salute thing. So it's looking like perhaps Alexander Wolf has just been kicked out of Imperium and maybe then he can now join Killian Dane, Drake Maverick, and they could be an odd trio. Yeah, why not? For the potential of the odd trio alone, I think I'm just going to have to give this match and this segment and all the beatdown and all of it an up. Little backstage bit now with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. They were talking about the little segment that happened after Raquel Gonzalez's successful NXT Women's Championship defense against Mercedes Martinez last week. They were they were talking. Like I think Raquel Gonzalez was talking to Martinez. She was like, I really respect you after this match. It was a lot of, lot of hard-fought battling that we just did. And then Dakota Kai was like, what? What are you doing? They got really annoyed and they separated. But then on this week's show, they were like, ah, oh, it's just the a lot of nothing just trying to brush the uh, the drama under the carpet but we know we saw what we saw oh and then ever eyes popped up and they got punched in the face by raquel gonzalez because she is not taking any of their sugar honey iced tea big old tag team action was upon us after this we had legato del fantasma they were taking on obviously toothless timmy and tomaso champa and it's all getting in up because it was great monotone for the win also matching bomber jackets from tomaso champa and timothy thatcher it's just always going to be a win what I really liked about this match, though, is that it brought a really violent, vicious side out of Legado that I've not yet seen. And I think that all came about after Tommaso Ciampa forearmed Raul Mendoza so hard in the face, his face just erupted. It was just blood everywhere. It was like, I did not sign up for this. But it was brilliant. There was loads of lovely moments. There was like a double ankle lock at one point with Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher just wrenching on it and screaming and gurning, just looking really violent. But then Legado fired back into things with their usual array of dynamic tag team offense. He had that win like assisted splash thing that they do together where they slit. I think Joaquin Wa gets sprung on a rope and smashed back down. Then Mendoza did a bottom rope moonsault. It's just lovely stuff. It's dynamic and it's beautiful. But then out of nowhere, Joaquin Wa was absolutely pulverized by a Willow's Bell from Tommaso Ciampa. Raul Mendoza had to save it at the last minute. We were like, oh, it's just drama everywhere. And then the grizzled young veterans, they popped up. They attacked Tommaso Ciampa, distracted him, got him out of the ring. And I believe it was Timothy Thatcher who got hit with like the Russian leg sweep in the gurry thing that Legado do and they won the match so that now sets up an NXT tag team championship match between Legado del Fantasma and MSK and then it's looking like Ross are going to go down the Grizzled Young Veterans Toothless Timmy Old Man Champa route again and both of those matches they're going to be great they could steal any show in the world oh yeah remember Bobby Fish who popped up last week to go and help Kyle O'Reilly yeah it turns out that wasn't really to help Kyle O'Reilly that was more to attack Pete Dunne for battering Bobby Fish's tricep he showed all the scars and the blood and he was like, I want to get my revenge on Pete Dunne. So he's going to get his chance next week. So Pete Dunne, you ain't going near that top belt for quite some time, buddy. Really quickly, Johnny Gargano hyped up his main event match with Bronson Reed. He was like, you're not on my level. And Austin Theory was like, yeah, you're not on his level. Scrappy-doo all the way. Saray popped up once again, and she has been on an absolute tear since she has arrived in NXT. She was up against Aaliyah here, and obviously it gets an up because my, 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 this woman can hit a dropkick. And to be honest, I thought, yeah, she's just going to roll through Aaliyah, and that's just going to be it. That's going to be all she wrote. But that didn't happen because Jessica Mayer got involved. She was being a bit of a distracting pain in the ass. And then Aaliyah started throwing Saray round by her hair but this just really annoyed her because then she started to unleash a drop kick and another drop kick and a missile drop kick and a drop kick to the bottom rope this woman just goes on massive machine gun scatter gunning drop kicks before long an urinagi from saray just sealed the deal and i feel really bad for the next person who's got to go up against this lady 
throwing their names back into the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship hunt. You had Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. They were sat on their tank. They were like, oh, don't you dare Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez throw your names into that because that's what they did in their backstage segment as well. It's our belts. We're going to go for them. That's going to happen. And as William Regal revealed later on in the night, they are going to have a match. I believe it's next week. It wasn't specifically said that it's going to be a number one contenders match, but you have to think, judging from all the comments made tonight and the direction that my hands are moving, that that's going to be a thing. Oh yeah, and for some reason over the last couple of weeks, every time the diamond mine things happened, it's just skipped my mind, which is very weird because I was like the what culture combat MMA guy. This looks like it's to do with some form of MMA thing or an MMA character. But again, it popped up this week and we're still no closer to figuring out what the hell's happening with it. But it's a thing. So there you go. And finally, the greatest segment in all of NXT has returned. It's Squash Zone time, baby. Because yes, yes, straight away, I know that's not an orange, it's an apple, it's all I had, I was having to improvise. And it was Hit Row's Top Dollar and Ashanti Theodonis taking on Tony Nese and Araya Davari. And, as you've guessed from this whole squash zone aesthetic we've got going on right now, they battered him. There was a lovely double world strongest slam from Top Dollar. I've never seen anything like it. He just like launched everybody. Ashanti Theodonis was running around like an absolute madman. He was a firecracker. But then, in the end, it was a Top Dollar weird little adjusted modified Death Valley driver that won the whole thing for Hit Row. And they look very impressive. You've known you've known it was coming all the way through this video it's gonna be a juicy juicy squash it's an apple i'm sorry So to sum up, Hit Row looked really good in the match itself. They then took to the mic after this, started talking loads of smack, saying they're going to beat everyone in the locker room, and also said that Isaiah Swerve Scott wants whoever wins in the North American Championship steel cage match, he wants them next, which could be a bit of an iffy thing, maybe. Because I don't want to see Isaiah Swerve Scott just fed to the North American champion so soon after starting up this new faction. Give him a couple more squashes, singles matches against in the men's division, the women's division, the tag team division. Give them time, let them grow, and then let them loose. And we have made our way to the main event of the evening. It was Bronson Reed taking on Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship inside of a unfolding steel cage thing. And I think I probably just revealed it there. It's not just getting it up. It's getting a yellow highlighter of the week up. So yeah, the main narrative here was the fact that the way couldn't get involved in the match. It was going to be beneficial for Bronson Reed, but he didn't really count on the fact that Austin Theory is an absolute piece of work. Because all the way through, he kept scaling the ladder. He kept like climbing in, being like, hey, Bronson over here. And he like went to attack him. Then Johnny would like yank him, pull him down by his knee. His knee got really hurt in this match. But it was one of those things. As soon as Johnny got grabbed by Bronson Reed at any point in this match, he got thrown around like a ragdoll. He got splattered into the cage. He got splattered into the mat. He got thrown so high, I think he went off into orbit somewhere, went around for a couple of years, then came back down with a thud. And there was loads of nice creative spots here as well, because there was a moment as soon as we came back from the little commercial break thing, where Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory splatted Bronson Reed from opposite sides of the cage. It was like just a sandwich thing. I liked it. But in an absolutely frantic closing stage segment thing, there was like a one final beat that got a near fall. I think Austin Theory got like, he was hanging on the side of a steel cage. He got slammed around the side of the cage. It was just, there was so much stuff going on. 
one. But then Bronson Reed hit an avalanche powerbomb on Johnny Gargano and threw him straight through the middle of the floor, which was kind of a mirroring thing of what Johnny Gargano had done to Bronson Reed earlier in the night. It was just, there was, oh, there was so much craziness. And then just when he looked like Bronson Reed might scale the cage and get out of the damn match, Austin Theory climbed up yet again. He was on one side, then Johnny Gargano rose from the dead. He was on the other side, but Bronson Reed just swatted them both away like flies. He then hit a tsunami-like springboard splash off the ropes onto Johnny Gargano, but that was not enough. He went up again to the top rope, hit another tsunami splash, and you guessed it, a new North American champion is Bronson Reed. I love this. We got the pyro. We got all the really good feel-good stuff. It was great seeing Bronson Reed finally get his big moment, get his big shiny belt. After years of just working his ass off, it was good stuff. It was heartwarming, and I'm just happy for the man. This is great for the North American Championship scene as well, because it makes it all feel fresh. We've got a fresh new champion, first-time champion, and then we can get loads of brand new challenges. And Johnny can just go off and do whatever the hell Johnny wants to do. Maybe even throw him back into the NXT Championship scene, and then he can be eaten alive by Karrion Cross because that's just... That's just what happens, isn't it? But overall, the show itself, of course, gets a big old up because we like feel-good moments. We don't get enough of them in wrestling, but in my honest opinion, there were not enough zombies on this show. I'm going to get hurt, aren't I? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 